Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present, on History.org. This is Behind the Scenes, where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. With me today is Steve Archer, who is a research associate at Colonial Williamsburg and an adjunct professor at William & Mary, and he's had the good fortune to make an important discovery at William & Mary's Wren Building. Uh, if I have read the articles correctly, it didn't. I, what, eventually you found what you were looking for. It didn't start out that way. Eventually, yeah. Um, we've had uh, three seasons out in front of the Wren Building doing the archaeology out there. Uh, the point of the project is to look for a formal garden that was depicted on a copper plate engraving. It's one of the um, last pieces of Williamsburg as sort of a, a visual anchor for the town. Uh, we know about the Capitol and the Governor's Palace and the Wren Building itself, which was the original college. Of William and Mary, but uh, there's been some scholarly debate as to whether a formal garden depicted on that plate actually existed or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've had several chances, probably more chances than a lot of archaeologists get to go and look for it. And we started in 2005 and had a season out there where we didn't find exactly what we were looking for. We did a long summer with a lot of great students and really came up empty, uh, finding a lot of disturbance uh, in one part of the yard. And then we moved on uh, last year in 2006, you know, giving it one last shot, we had a little money left in the budget, and we said, hey, we'll go for it one more time, move to a different part of the yard. And we were lucky to find um, these little planting holes that were lined up at 18-foot intervals, which is a common um, architectural uh, landscape measurement of the time. 18 feet is a lot of uh, 18th century formal gardens are laid out with that as a, a unit 18 and 9 feet intervals. And it gave us enough uh, hope to keep going, and we ended up this year with a lot more of that original garden. You were working with uh, archaeology students? Yeah, uh, this is a little bit different than some kinds of projects that Colonial Williamsburg does. We have in-house archaeologists, but this is a joint project between the college and Colonial Williamsburg, which is a really great productive working relationship. Um, uh, each summer we have students from the College of William and Mary that want to learn how to do basic archaeological field excavation. So we've had uh, the fortunate uh, circumstance to be able to have really good students each summer eager to learn how to do archaeology in the field. Of course, that's only one part of archaeology, but they really get some good training because we have 50 years of archaeological experience here to draw on. And there's nothing like not finding what you're looking for <laughs> right. in the first summer. <laughs> well, it's amazing, actually, because you can sometimes make uh, uh, silk purses out of sow's ears with archaeology in that we didn't find exactly what we were looking for that first year, but we were able to um, have the students follow up and do a course in the, the fall after the summer excavations and really take a look at what was the methodology we used, where should we be looking for this garden, and they did research projects over the course of a semester that made finding nothing um, a good direction post to finding something later on. Well, one of the one of the benefits to finding nothing is you know it's not there, so <laughs> you better true. move. <laughs> That's very true. If I have read the reporting correctly, the Bodleian plate that, that shows the formal gardens at the Wren Building turns out to be correct. It's, that's the way it was. It seems to be very accurate. We found a few things um, that aren't depicted on the Bodleian plate uh, that are giving us... Um, 
a little bit of a different sense of what it's all about, but in general, uh, the major features on that are pretty accurate. Now we have other maps that are from the later 18th century, the Bodleian Plates from about 1740, um, that show a completely different layout of that garden. And we found just very ephemeral traces of it. It seems that there was uh, a modification of the landscape design sometime in the late 18th century, where that formal garden went away, and it was replaced by something, which we're not quite sure what. Okay, my, my curiosity is now that you are reasonably confident that you can say with some assurance that this existed here, this existed here, this existed here, are you going to replant it ever? Well, that's sort of not a decision for the archaeologist, really. <laughs> we don't so? get, a, we don't get a, a say in that. And you know, my position as an archaeologist is really to advocate for preservation in a lot of ways. If we can preserve what's there, all the better. Um, there are people who would love to see that uh, landscape restored because it really uh, would be a quite different look at the college. Uh, right now, if you look at the college from Williamsburg, it's very obscured by trees and um, yeah, a lot of people don't, don't care for that. Um, uh, a lumberjack's going to have some good work going there <laughs> to, to get that land cleared. Right, they've been called arboricidal maniacs who ah, uh, would like to see the trees go away. Uh, you know, there's, there's also a history of that landscape that's existed since the 19th century out there, too, and that's historic in its own right. So uh, the decision to restore it is not one that's just an easily... Um, glommed onto kind of project to do. You want to think about, well, well, what do we really know about that garden? And we don't have the whole garden. It's not completely preserved pristinely. You're not talking about a Pompeii situation there. We have just a very slight remnant of uh, the planting holes and some of the features out there because it has been damaged from 20th century utility work, from actually the restoration of the Wren building itself has caused a lot of damage to that site as a resource. So um, my primary responsibility, I think of as an archaeologist, is uh, the main thing that I'm doing uh, of immediate importance is stopping that damage. Once we know where those planting holes and the little tiny, tiny, really um, ephemeral kinds of features that we're finding, uh, figuring out where those are is going to help the college plan for the next 50 years. If a new utility line is going in there, we know that we don't want to put it right through the garden anymore mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. we spent a lot of time uh, excavating sewer lines no, no. out there. Uh, is the excavation over? Uh, for the time being, yeah. Uh, we. Uh, said that we were going to give this a good 10-week uh, shot this summer. We did that, and we have a lot of material to analyze and really look at it. I think um, the only time that we would, um, you know, of course, things change. We don't know if we want to go ahead and do another round out there. Um, no plans for that currently, but if the garden were to be restored, if the powers that be decided on doing that, there would be need to be more archaeology out there. Uh, I was just thinking, because you said there was also a 19th century history, when you restore it, that's that's a question, isn't it? You know, wh which period exactly, do you restore right. to? Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting because the Wren building itself is not restored to its quote-unquote original form. It's mm -hmm. restored to the second form of the building. The building burned in 1705, and there is better documentation about um, what the building looked like between 1705 and the 19th century than there was the original um, designed the building in the late 1690s. So even the Wren building itself is not restored to its quote-unquote original period. What would the, the Wren building look like if you restored the garden and took the trees out? What would the, uh, the, the college visitor look across the lawn and see? Right. It would have been very impressive, I think. Um, you would have, first of all, you would have been able to see the college from mm -hmm. Williamsburg, um, 
what you would see would be uh, basically uh, a symmetrical division and the north and the south sides of the garden would look the same. It was this Georgian symmetry that was um, the architectural rage of the day. Central axis leading into the main Wren building, um, surrounded by two large lawn beds, and those are, would be ringed by very highly sculpted topiary trees that were alternately, as depicted on the bodily plate, they're alternately sculpted into pyramid shapes and ball shapes. So it would have looked very much like um, some formal gardens that still exist in Europe today um, share that same sort of design. We've had comparative I examples that we've I must at. admit, I am a sucker for topiary. <laughs> right? really, yeah, I'm, no elephants or seals or anything. No, I mean, uh, just pyramids exactly, and balls yeah. and stuff that you can make trees look like. That Absolutely, you, that, and it was certainly the, the thing to do in those days. You know, Versailles has some uh, great documents about the elaborate things that they would do with topiary, but Williamsburg, you know, it was, it was a colony. It was a little more humble and simple. It was very much... Uh, um, a different thing in the landscape of the time. Nothing would have looked like that, really, in the New World. Um, it would have been the first formal public garden, English-style garden in the New World, really. In your three summers that you were working with the students, what was the hardest part for you and, and the students to, to get done? I, you know, it actually was really smooth. You know, it's hot in Williamsburg, and, well, you know, we have our, our days of... Uh, heat exhaustion or, or whatever, but, you know, it's really, I can't say enough about the students that we've worked with. They've just been amazing troopers, not complaining, just going for it. And, um, you know, really the hardest thing is almost seeing these features because they can be so um, hard to distinguish from the soil around them. So it's, you get the, it's, it's an internal thing where you have panic attacks where you're saying, well, is this really something that I'm seeing or is it not? And, you know, you're, once you excavate that site, it's gone. So if you excavate the wrong thing, uh, <laughs> there's not another one. You don't get a do-over, really. So that's no take two. Exactly. Right? So it's really the um, it's the internal struggle of archaeology that that causes me the most uh, sleeplessness. You said you uh, you found some plants 18 feet apart, and that was a standard for the day. So you were pretty sure that this was a something. What does a plant hole look like? <laughs> a planting hole, well, again, like I was saying, that the, um, the this archaeological site itself has been damaged, and we don't have the original planting hole. So if you think about putting in a little topiary plant, a little yew tree, we think they may have been used. That's sort of the common um, assumption. You know, you have to plant that root ball a good at least two feet deep, but the planting holes that we find are only uh, several inches deep, which means that we've lost the upper layers of that, that they've been churned up. So what we get are um, circular stains in the soil that are just slightly different. They have more organic material in them or, as compared to the surrounding subsoil. Um, basically, we get the bottom of a hole, <laughs> and it's, um, it's it's just a stain that looks slightly different. You know, they're about eight. See, that's what I've always been curious about. That archaeologists can look at the dirt. All I see is dirt, right. <laughs> and they see something that was there. It takes a while, yeah, uh, and it's just it's just a different color. It's a different color. It has a slightly different texture to it. You know, you have to know what the natural subsoil looks like and then compare that to what we know of the archaeological features in this part of the world. And it does look different once your eye is accustomed to it. <laughs> do the students ever give up and say, I can't do this? Well, some of them do. Some of them, you know, they think that they can't. They, you know, some people just don't have the eye for it. But that's great. You know, you have there are plenty of other things you can do in archaeology besides the, the discerning of ephemeral features. I, I think I'd do 
reasonably well with brick and solid things. I don't think I do very well with with soil. I really don't because well, I don't have an eye. That's one of the, the differences about this project and one of the reasons why it's really exciting is it's a kind of archaeology that's um, really up and coming, really tackling the landscape rather than, you know, we, there's been a lot of domestic sites excavated. And in that sense, you're really looking for artifacts. You want to know what kinds of um, housewares did these people have. But when you're tackling something like a garden, you're really looking at um, an architecture that was built out of biological materials rather than bricks and pottery. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.